Hello, so I am Neha Iqbal, a trainee solicitor here at Whitehead Moncton Solicitors, and I am delighted to be sat with Daniel Bridgeland, the Head of Agriculture and Rural Affairs here at Whitehead Moncton. So Daniel, what do you see as being the hot topics for farming clients and rural landowners in the next few years? Um, so along with the two largest, most ob obvious factors affecting agriculture over the last two years and the immediate future, which are Brexit and the COVID-19 pandemic, I really see two major topics. Firstly, diversification and secondly, succession issues. Um, starting off with diversification, um, many agricultural clients looked into diversify the use of their land. So it's not just used for arable farming, fruit farming, grazing livestock. Um, an example might be the farmer might have some disused farm buildings and they look to convert those and possibly refurbish them. And um, then they can rent those out as small commercial units. They might be used as offices or for storage. Um, the important thing to remember there is that you really do need to take planning advice and check that if you're changing the use of any of your buildings on the farm, then you've got the appropriate permissions and you're not going to walk into a lot of expensive repercussions. And what about renewable energy? I've heard that climate change, cutting carbon emissions and reliance on fossil fuels has been in the news a lot recently. That's right. I've, I've personally acted for a large number of, of rural landowners who have looked to take the opportunity to lease their property to solar power companies and they create what are called solar farms. Um, this is usually on what's otherwise poor quality land for planting arable crops. Um, and while the financial viability of this uh, is not quite what it was possibly six or seven years ago and you need absolutely need to have a connection into the national grid on site so you can export the electricity that's generated by the solar farm, it can still prove to be a better use of that land if it's poor quality agricultural land. As you say, renewable energy is a very hot topic right now. And even if, even if a farmer doesn't want to go into a partnership with a, a third party to occupy and use their land as, as a large solar farm, solar power is being used increasingly to provide uh, energy for the farm itself. And it's not so, just solar power either. Wind power and converting biomass, that's basically any kind of organic material into energy or heat, they're often used by our rural clients. Uh, again, though, it's absolutely critical to make sure that you've got the right planning use for your property if you want to install these type of renewable energy uh, installations and check you've got the appropriate rights over land that you don't own if you need to run cables, etc. And you're not breaking any restrictive covenants concerning the use of your property. What other kinds of diversification do you see being employed by rural clients? Well, the most common alternative uses that I've seen are things such as fishing lakes for use by public, glamping, which can either be on its own or part of a music or arts festival, uh, go-kart courses and uh, overnight stays, bed and breakfasts. Uh, as I said before, always the important thing to, to remember is though you've got to have the appropriate planning use and ensure that you're not breaking any covenants affecting your property if you want to diversify like that. You said succession issues were also a hot topic. What do you mean by that? Farming is obviously an industry that's been around for thousands of years. Um, the Industrial Revolution made farming less physically strenuous and much more productive. Over the last few decades, we've seen farms get larger and larger, and they're now operated by big business. Family-owned and run farms are decreasing in number. In many cases, the, the adult children of the farmer don't really want to continue in their parents' footsteps and work on the land. 
in these cases, who are the farmers going to pass their business on to? Uh, some sell to competitors, other diversify with the use of their land, as I mentioned earlier. In some cases, the farm's broken up, parts of it are sold, that might be for residential development, commercial use, or for renewable energy projects. And what about following the death of a farmer? What happens then? Well, it's absolutely vital that anyone running a farm business has an update will, recording their wishes about what happens after they die. Discussions need to be had amongst the family before that as well. We often find ourselves involved in disputes between siblings and other family members over what happens to farms following the death of the parent who was running the business. Sometimes children have been very involved in the business, find that their siblings or other relatives are left part of the farm in the will, even if those relatives haven't ever worked on the farm. This all leads to a lot of unhappiness, stress and expense. So my advice is be open and honest with your family if you're a farmer and include them in discussions about what you want to happen after your death. It's not the nicest subject, I know, but it can save a huge amount of uncertainty and potentially expensive conversations with lawyers and accountants. What about other possible scenarios, for example, if nobody necessarily in the family wants or has the time or ability to carry on the business? Well, in that case, a farm might be sold, either as a whole or broken up. Land prices at the moment are very high and anywhere there's a reasonable prospect to be developed, either for residential or commercial industrial, will catch the eye of house builders and other purchasers. I deal with a lot of options over rural land, as well as conditional contracts and some promotion agreements, mainly acting for the landowners. It's very important to take advice from experienced land agents before agreeing to heads of terms for any sale of your property to developers or other interested parties. We can advise to an extent, but we're not experts on value, and a good land agent will be able to guide you through the process of offers and the terms of any sale. Also take the appropriate tax advice from an accountant. It's quite difficult for us as solicitors to negotiate any sale documentation if the parties aren't completely clear as to what they're expecting from the deal. And what about overages? I've heard about those and how popular they've been becoming. Well, that's right. We're seeing that on almost any land sale where there's a prospect of development, even years down the line, there's an overage involved. That means that the purchaser may have to pay a further sum if they get planning permission to develop that land after they buy it, normally within around the next 30 years. Overages can be quite tricky to get right, especially if the parties haven't completely agreed the full terms. And that can involve whether there are certain types of development which won't trigger an overage payment, and also whether overages can be paid multiple times over that period. I often find that buyers don't want to pay overage if they get planning to extend a, a building that they've already got permission for, and they've paid an overage sum in respect of that, um, even though the, the value of the land's gone up again. So it's things like that the buyer and seller need to really get properly agree before we get too far into the legal negotiations because costs can start to ramp up. Thank you very much Daniel and hopefully that's cleared up to anyone listening all the issues that our current agricultural and rural affairs team are working on at the moment. If you do need any further assistance then feel free to contact myself or Daniel and um, our contact details will be on the website if you do need them. Mm -hmm.